previously on Film Code. One of the guys was able to finally crack the code. And it, your code word was red. The movie was from 2000 to 2010. It is a part of a horror series, so it's a series of horror films. And your last clue was Canadian. So this is a Canadian horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked into the, the, the film. It does have sequels. It does star people who are from Canada. Um, there are multiple films. It came out in 2000. And the movie is Ginger Snaps. And I'm happy to report that Nick got it right. It was Ginger wow. Snaps. Yes. Yeah, let's yes. go. Way to go, Nick, man. Wow. Not bad. Now, with Nick and Nathan tied, will anyone be able to crack Nick's new code word? The code word was controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in the 2000s. It got nominated for Best Picture and had a shoestring budget. Plus, the guys discussed the Best Picture winning film Spotlight. They knew and they let it happen to kids. And a discussion on the best casting decisions from this past decade. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Film Code, episode 25, right? Yes? Yes? Yes. Sweet. Yes. All right. Love love it. I'm going to lose track of that eventually. Uh, <laughs> this is actually a pretty seminal episode. 25 episodes, guys. Yeah, we did. <clears throat> All right. So, I'm quarter, Phoenix Cloudin. No, no, quarter century. Yeah, quarter century. <laughs> yeah, quarter century episode. I'm Phoenix Cloudin, guys. I'm so happy to be joined by... Uh, <laughs> they thought I forgot, but I remember the CEO <laughs> of Hallmark Christmas movies, Mr. Nick Spain. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on again as a guest host. Super happy to be here. Um, and it's a, a rainy day, so it's a good day to to do some some film talk. Absolutely. And also the CEO of Hot Takes, Mr. Nathan Pig. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good, Phoenix. How are you doing? Excellent. Oh, great. That's so great to hear. Um, <laughs> I'm also glad to, to be rejoining the group as a, a guest host. So, you know, thanks so much for giving me that opportunity. Um, Absolutely. We just want to say we've been pumping out a ton of content lately over here at Film Code. We have our normal episodes that we do like this. Brandon and I did a Gotham episode. We have a Mandalorian season two episode on the way. Nick and I did an exclusive interview with someone from Discussing Film. Phoenix has done solo episodes. I've done solo episodes. The last week or so has been huge for additional content. So make sure you check some of those out. I I know you'll love them. He is right. My uh, editing desk is full of episodes. I believe I still have to edit your solo episode, waiting on the interview. I I got another solo episode coming up. So... And me and uh, Brandon, I believe, are doing a, a, a recap of The Boys. That eventually is coming up very soon. So, whoo, 
if you're a, if you're a constant listener to Film Code, we're gonna have a lot of extra uh, a lot of extra content for you guys coming out very very soon. So we're super excited about that. Uh, but today we are talking a very exciting movie. We did a uh, Best Picture Oscar moments last week, and uh, we decided we're gonna take on a Best Picture winner this week. We are discussing the Help me out, 2014? 2015. 2015. 2015, 2015 Best Picture uh, winner, Spotlight, starring Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, Lee Schreiber. Uh, excellent cast. Uh, had to rewatch it again because I uh, hadn't seen it in a while, but I'm super excited to hear you guys' thoughts on Spotlight. I know there's things you cannot tell me. But I also know there's a story here and I think everybody will hear about it. Do you think your paper has the resources to take that on? I do. Do you? The Boston priest molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight. Guys, listen, everybody's going to be interested in this. Obviously, the church will fight us very hard. I'm trying to get some background information. I don't want you recording this in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. We understand you've settled several cases against the church. I can't discuss that. There aren't any records of any of these settlements. Nope. When you're a poor kid from a poor family, and when a priest pays attention to you, it's a big deal. How do you say no to God? Spotlight. This is the tip line. You think he's got something? I want to keep digging. We need to focus on the institution. Show me that it came from the top down. They'll try to silence anyone who speaks out. You leave me alone, you hear me, goddammit? 6% act out sexually. 6% is 90. 90 priests. If there were 90 of these bastards, people would know. Maybe they do. You're going to give me the names and the names of their victims. Are you threatening me? I was doing my job. Yeah, you and everyone else. I am here because I care. We're going to tell this story. We're going to tell it right. I can't believe I'm hoping we can keep this between us until we all get on the same page. Is that why we're here, to get on the same page? We've got two stories here. A story about degenerate clergy and a story about a bunch of lawyers turning child abuse into a cottage industry. Which story do you want us to write? Because we're writing one of them. I'm not crazy. They control everything. This is not just Boston. It's a whole country. It's a whole world. They knew, and they let it happen. It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. And I want to see if we're uh, going to be in agreement. So, Nick, go ahead. What was your, is this your first time seeing it or, or had you seen it before? Yes. Yes. This was my first time seeing it. Um, I knew what it was about. Um, I knew it was about the whole Boston Globe finding out about the, the church scandal. Um, so I kind of knew what it was about already. I kind of knew the characters, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams. So I had a little bit of knowledge going into a film. Um, and I thought it was fantastic. I really liked it. Um, something that I'm, I'm doing new on my letterboxes is, is doing decades, um, best picture nominees and 
best picture winners in a totally different group. And I think this is up there with, with some of the best winners of, of the 2010s. Nice. I, will, I would agree with that. Definitely of the 2010s. Absolutely. Uh, Nathan, what about you? First impressions? Well, this was my second viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a handful of movies that I got bored while watching by myself a long time ago. I have matured since then, <laughs> but um, I got bored watching them, got on my phone, did not pay attention for the rest of the movie. And when the credits rolled, I was like, what the hell? I hated that. <laughs> Even though I didn't pay attention at all. Um, so this was unfortunately one of those movies. It is slow if you're not emotionally invested right away. So at least I'm not in the minority of, of coming from that. But this was awesome this time around. I, I knew I wanted to give it another shot. I knew I wasn't fair to it. And it was fantastic. I think this is probably the best best picture winner of the decade, at least in my opinion. And when I think of a biopic, this is exactly what I'm going to think of. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is actually my second time seeing Spotlight. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like over the moon. I was like, this is an incredible movie. Uh, super just high on it. I really dug it. Uh, this time, I noticed a few things that uh I, I won't say that that made me dislike it but definitely sort of brought me uh brought me out of how high I was on it uh yeah so like just the initial rush towards this story I felt was weird and kind of aggressive and, and fast it was they just didn't waste any time to get to uh what they yeah, what they wanted to uh, accomplish. So for me, that was that was sort of weird. Um, and then I just felt like it kept moving at that sort of erratic pace where things just, you know, happened. Um, I mean, overall, I still think it was a deserving Best Picture win. I, I enjoyed the movie as a whole. Um, yeah just i was i'm not as high on it as i once was but i still dug it interesting do we want to talk spoilers now let's go for it (laughs) yeah sure all right why don't you start nick um you know i wasn't there in the episode where you guys talked about best picture moments and i don't know um what phoenix's best picture moment was from this film because I don't think Nathan had seen it up to that point. And I think it's, for me, the best picture moment, the Oscar moment was when Mark Ruffalo got the the documents and he was saying, we got them. Like we have to take it up to Ben, like this is it. And he went on that little, little tirade. I thought that was, that scene was just the, the bow on, on top of the, the present. Like it was just, a fantastic moment and I think that was the Oscar moment. There was another Oscar moment that Nathan and I said like oh so far this is the Oscar moment but I forget what it was. Maybe Nathan can can clarify. I think it was before that too wasn't it? It was yeah. I, don't I just remember, don't remember what. Neither do I uh, unfortunately. <sighs> but, oh my goodness. I'm going to have to look it up now. 
<laughs> but I, I do remember Phoenix saying that the the Oscar moment was that ending scene yeah. where everyone's picking up the phone for all these victims calling in after the story was released. And I agree that was a powerful scene, but I'm going to stick with Nick on this one. I think that Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton fighting scene is the most rewarding, the most emotional, and the Oscar-winning moment in my eyes in the movie. We actually rewinded it and watched that scene again. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I've watched it again since. It is since so great. This is, I mean, Mark Ruffalo is just such a talent, as is Michael Keaton and Rachel McAdams. It's a talented cast, for sure. But Mark Ruffalo, I mean, this is this might be the most talented individual scene I have ever seen from him. Yeah. Um, I know that is a ambitious statement, Not but um, <laughs> of all the things I've seen Mark Ruffalo in, and he is an absolute talent, one of my favorites, one of Nick's favorites. Yeah. Um, but this individual scene is probably the best scene I've ever seen him in. And that includes Zodiac. That includes, um, uh, shoot, what are some of his other movies that aren't the Avengers? Internal Sunshine. Yes, well, throw that whole thing away. Um, <laughs> this is the best that he's been, at least in my mind. So um, in, inclu- I watched an interview with Mark Ruffalo. Man, this is probably close to a year ago where they went over all of the character, well, all the major characters he's played. And he talked about it. And I remember specifically his spotlight character. He was like, oh yeah, well, I actually met with him several times and I tried to mimic his um, mannerisms and how he sits, how he talks and things like that. So I could play the character exactly and, and do him such justice. And I thought that was so cool because that's just taking acting in another level. And when you watch it, you see him, he's sitting hunched over he's sitting like that always got his hands in his pockets right he's sitting like the most uncomfortable positions there are and i just think that uh, i don't want to go as far as saying he should have won best supporting but he definitely was deserving of an award yeah i uh i definitely agree with that uh i i think i also mentioned that like if that's not the Oscar winning moment. Like, I don't, I don't see how you don't use that moment to promote the movie. It, it like, it's that strong, you know what I'm saying? It, to me, it's like, it's when it's in that moment where I think I said this uh, last week, Mark Ruffalo became one of my favorite actors. Uh, and like, and I think he solidified it with last year's uh, Dark Waters, which is another movie where he's just, he's just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the way that scene, they, they've been fighting to get those documents pretty much the entire movie. And, uh, you know, and they finally get it. He gets all the information. I think what's, what, uh, is interesting about that part is I think as an audience member, we know, like they're going to uncover the truth, right? Like this story's already been out there, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I'll forget when this takes place, early 2000s or late 90s yeah, or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, 2001. Yeah, so like, and the movie's done in 2015, so we know that they eventually uncover it. So it's that moment when the story and the audience meet and they basically are finally on the same page as to where, as to how this story explodes. And I just think, you know, a part of us are uh, some of us are watching our our Mark Ruffalo like no dude you got it go you know what I'm saying like it's time to go 
And some of us are Michael Keaton. Like, no, look, we, we got to get the whole system. Like, if we just take down one priest or even 90 priests, like, it's not enough. We got to go after the system. And we, Nick and I had a discussion yeah. about that as well. Like, I think there are great movies, and then there are better than great movies. And I think... <laughs> the incredible movies put you in situations especially where there's controversy where you can understand both sides of the argument and you don't you sure you side with one person but you definitely say you know you're both kind of right and right. in this instance they were you know mark ruffalo's character was was pushing so hard all movie to get these documents he had most likely they were all working hard but he was working the hardest at trying to uncover this stuff and he finally had what they were looking for and they could have exposed a priest and the start of something special so you understand why he'd want to go to it and get it out but you also understand where where michael keaton's character was coming from as well saying like you know taking down one's not going to do anything we have to take them all down and just the fact that from from tom mccarthy and the writing team to create this situation where you understand and you empathize with both characters and their thought process. It's it's incredible. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And Michael Keaton as well is just such. Uh, I said this when we talked about Trial of Chicago Seven. He's such a menacing, like strict character or, or just person in general. He's just got that stature and that aura about him that when you're giving this emotional speech and going right at him and telling him what you want, he is not going to back down. He just has that stature. Like, for example, right, could you imagine if instead of, let's take Mark Ruffalo giving that that giant diatribe about taking it up to the higher-ups, and instead of Michael Keaton, it's Miles Teller. Mm. Doesn't have that same effect. Let's say instead of Michael Keaton, it's Brad Pitt even doesn't have that same effect i think michael keaton it's it's the rock it doesn't have that same effect (laughs) you know it's i just i'm not saying michael keaton's the perfect person for this role or anything like that i just think with how like menacing and not a pushover and a little bit of a hard ass he gives off um he was he was perfect for for that scene at least maybe i'm just talking in circles i don't know You (laughs) you guys are looking at me funny I don't know. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, absolutely. Like Michael Keaton, it, it's it's evident even uh, even in like what was it? Uh, what we just watched? Uh, Jesus, uh, Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah. yeah. Like as soon as he comes in, it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like you're not. It's not like a like a ooh. It's Michael Keaton. It's like oh shit. It's Michael Keaton. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I felt the same way about jack nicholson in the departed when he like <laughs> when leo's just sitting there drinking at the bar and jack nicholson walks up on screen you're like oh whoa like that's that's how that, those are the vibes i feel like michael keaton gives off too right. i feel like jk simmons gives off those vibes too where you're yeah. like oh wow <laughs> uh, so you know i think just in that situation where i don't know that emotional scene it's like mark ruffle is just giving this great emotional scene and it's wham right into a brick wall <laughs> which is it's fun but i did want to comment real quick about something we were talking about a few minutes ago um as far as best supporting actor i have not seen um bridge of spies which is mark rylance one for that we were obviously big fans of mark rylance in trial of chicago 7 um yeah. and i haven't seen the revenant tom hardy's fantastic as an actor but i haven't seen it i have seen the big short 
Y'all know I love Christian Bale. I love that man. Uh, Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight was better than Christian Bale in The Big Short. And Sylvester Stallone for Creed, he, he wouldn't have won anyway. So I can't yeah, comment. Yeah, really, that was kind of like a nostalgia nod. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't comment on whether um, Mark Ruffalo deserved to beat Mark Rylance, but definitely was better than, than my favorite actor, which you won't hear me say a lot. Oh, well, who's that? Christian Bale. In the big short, he was actually, and I, I know we uh, we haven't talked about Bale in a long time, and uh, but uh, that's one of the other movies of his that I saw, and uh, he was great in that. He was actually really good in that. Yeah, I, I, say, like, I, Chris, I haven't seen the big short, so Christian Bale is great in everything. Phoenix, he's no, great not, in everything. Not true. Wake not up, true. please. Not not but, true at all. But because um, <laughs> I I'm just not as big a fan of the big short as a lot of people are. Um, but regardless, yes, he's fantastic in it. But I just I think Mark Ruffalo delivers a better performance in the better in 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 this year. So right. circling back though to um, Spotlight, I think it's just with a story like this where there's not a ton of action and it's a giant research project, it can definitely get slow and boring at times. And I definitely felt that the first time I watched it. But if you know that going in and you're committed, I do think the pacing works very well. Is that something yeah. that I think Phoenix that's something you commented on at the beginning? Yeah, like I don't know. I think it, it's just because I uh, it was the second time I've seen it with so much time in between it. Um, yeah, the pacing was it. I wouldn't call it erratic or or bad or anything. It was just really kind of quick. And I guess I guess for me it was like it. it because Lee Schreiber comes into this new, he comes into the Boston Globe and one of the first meetings, he's like, here's this story and that's what we're going to work on. It's like, okay, like, you know, there's no like discovery moment. There's no like moment where he's like, why I want to do this or anything like that. So I just felt like that was, that moved a little bit quickly. And then, you know, we get right into the thick of it almost immediately so i was like i don't know i feel like those at least those two areas felt a little rushed um but but again it didn't like take me out of the movie it wasn't it wasn't something that made the movie bad or anything it was just something i was like oh wow i i I thought there was a little bit more lead up to that than there there was but i feel like i was gonna say i understand i understand where you're coming from from that but I think they did such a great job setting it up in the beginning with that um, like encounter with the police and how the, the pastors just kind of let go um, right. like in the 80s. Right. And also I feel like we have so many moments in the movie itself where they're like, oh, how did we not see this? And it's like the guys, the, the lawyers like, oh, well, I sent you guys like a list of 20 people like. A, oh, a, a while ago and you never followed up and you wrote all these stories and I feel like it kind of has that effect um, but Nathan and, and you were talking about pacing I think the pacing is done pretty well here Nathan and I watched another um, biopic best picture winner from uh, three years before this in Argo and mm. that pacing is all over the place because yeah. it's just so <laughs> slow in the beginning and it's just the last 30 minutes is like right Right. Where this is just like <laughs> a constant burn. Oh, stop putting your thumb down. You gave it three 
pacing pacing in Argo is a double thumbs down. Argo <laughs> Argo movie is fine, but pacing in pacing in Argo might be one of the worst pacing movies I've ever seen. Um, See, yeah, like you're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All that, three that, of us in agreement. Yes. That, yeah. When it comes to pacing, I'll, yeah, sure, it's probably but, not paced well, but I, I think it makes up for it in a lot of other areas. But, but I does. do. I do want to touch on what Nick said. There are quite a few, I guess you could call them twists in this movie. And I think that in the hands of a different writer or director, and I'm not trying to like overpraise Tom McCarthy or anything because this isn't someone who is a David Fincher or an Aaron Sorkin or anything like that. But, you know, I think in the hands of a different storyteller, some of these twists might have been less impactful because when you had the lawyer who you know i just need to look up the names of these people i'm sorry the lawyer <laughs> who is played by the guy from the morning show who i really like um his name is where is it Haggis west it. something anyways while i find that um yeah when nick said what nick said about him being like oh i sent you a bunch of these clippings 20 years ago or 15 years ago or whenever and you guys completely ignored them, and now you're interested, I can't help you. I think that was such a big twist, especially because they had already talked to him a couple times. Right. Yeah. And that actor's name is Billy Crudup, and he played Eric uh, McLeish. So yeah. I thought that was just a fantastic twist, especially because um, Rachel McAdams' character, Sasha, finds the clipping later. It was just great. And I loved, too, them talking to victims and them being like, you, you're, you're waiting too long. You're not doing anything about it. This is going to get swept under the rug again. And the victims kind of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and then recognizing that light is closing. Obviously, everything still worked out. But it's just, I, th I think they handle the twists really well. Well, and I kind of want to, uh, to backtrack a little bit back to Tom McCarthy because this is a, uh, a pretty random uh direction choice from him when you look at his like filmography especially recently the, yeah the station agent which was his first direction um it got a BAFTA award for best original screenplay but I've never heard of it uh the visitor um which you know has nobody notable um win-win which again never heard of and then you go to the the Clobbler, never heard of that. Yeah, and then, I've watched that. That's awful. <laughs> it has Adam Sandler, so no surprise that you don't like it. But um, <laughs> then, he, then he comes to Spotlight. Like, where was all this, like, where did this come from? And then he doesn't direct anything for five years, and then he does Timothy Failure Mistakes Were Made, which I've heard wow. is, is a good movie. Mm -hmm. for 2020 but like a kids comedy movie with a polar bear like you know from like winning best picture and spotlight I'm not saying it's like the downgrade it is a downgrade it is but like <laughs> it is a downgrade but a like downgrade. and then so interesting enough he's directing a movie called Stillwater which is <clears throat> Well, you're uh, during your coughing fit out of nowhere. 
I will agree. It, it's it's random because he went from the cobbler in 2014 to spotlight in 2015. It's not like he took many years off to write this script to to make this plan. It, I, I I feel like he was definitely a director for hire. Um, yeah. And we sit here. It, actually, he was part of the writing crew. I don't know if that was just a if he was a lead writer, if he was in on a couple of pages or what. But um, I don't know. I. I we sit here and I feel like we're bashing this man a little bit, but you're right. It it is a totally random thing because especially when you look at the best picture winners, especially of the decade, you have some big names. You have like like the Guillermo del Toro's, the guy who directed Birdman. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name. You have Bong Joon Ho, who you know there there are big names, and then you right. have Gary Jenkins, who is his first direction which even that is not as random because it's the guy's first piece. Um, this is, I, I'm with you. It's so random. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to, to, to back this guy up, the, this man um, is directing a movie called Stillwater, either coming out next year, or the year after that, the premise is a father who works to exonerate his estranged daughter of a murder. She never committed stars, uh, Matt Damon and Abigail Brenson brands, Breslin, yes. <clears throat> so I don't know. Maybe another Oscar, uh, Oscar uh, nod coming his way. Who knows? It's always interesting because it, you know you think once you uh, win an Oscar or or anything like that, you know the phone's ringing off the hook, and uh, right. <laughs> and you know nobody uh, was ringing his phone, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and for a while, you know, you're just doing these uh these small budget things, and and I mean some of that could be his choice. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of pressure on someone, you know, when you're in under under the pardon the pun spotlight, uh, <laughs> as much you know when you when you're nominated for an Oscar. So you yeah, know, well, he did he did work on some uh, some some tv shows he was an executive producer on 13 reasons why and the loudest voice and a writer on that as well so who knows tv tv could have make him taken up his time like david fincher but who knows making making good tv is you know all for that as well um so i want to talk a little bit about these characters in in this Mm. movie so like uh, this was a, I won't say it's an issue I had, but it was one of those things definitely that I noticed the second time around where uh, as much as I love Rachel McAdams and uh, I'm blanking on his name, the other guy on the on the spotlight team, that's not Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton. The guy from 13 the, Reasons Why. The no name. Yeah. Uh, I know him. I saw him on uh, Smash. That's the only way I know him, but I can't Brian remember his James. name. Yes, Brian James. Thank you. Um, they, those two characters, they really don't get a lot to do. I mean, I think the most as you see them do is during the, uh, the victim, uh, uh, interviews. Uh, but even then that's mostly, mostly more Rachel McAdams than it is Brian James. And I was just like, to me, it's not something that I won't say it's something that dis like detracts from the movie or anything, but I do feel like it's uneven. You got Mark Ruffalo. He has this amazing scene. Rachel McAdams even has a pretty decent scene with one of the victims that I think is is really strong. Michael Keaton has several scenes that I think are really strong. And Brian James has like 
none. Like, <laughs> uh, it just was like kind of, it was one of those things where it was like, it definitely, I definitely noticed it more uh, there, on second viewing. I guess what you're trying to say is they, this person in real life, was a lot more of an impact than the movie shows. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that's fine. Um, I, I think that's a legitimate complaint. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Also, Lee Schreiber's character. I uh, I liked his character. I thought he I thought he did really really well with uh with that guy. I wanted I, truthfully I wanted more. I feel like you know he he was a standout and and what he brought to that character, what he brought to that newsroom, it was really sort of like a calm but also like you know a rabbitness i guess you could call it um but it was it was really good and i think given lou schreiber's range of films that he's done this is probably his most you know condensed and uh internal performance that i that i've seen at least and yeah uh, i'll i'll comment on that real quick um coming from someone that watched binge watched all the scream movies and Lee schreiber has a role in those movies um, this is obviously much different. He's supposed to play the, the quiet, seriously, like serious, extremely boss. workaholic boss, um, and I think he does a great job. And yeah, I would have liked to see more of his character. It would have been nice if he maybe had a little bit of a breakthrough on some research he was doing as well. But I don't know if that might not be at all what the case was. Yeah. So, but I liked his character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick is smashing on some pancakes right now, making us mm-hmm. all hungry. That's what's up. <laughs> I really, I, I think more than anything, though, this film doesn't just shed light on the events that happened, um, but it sheds light on the Spotlight team, which it needs to do because it's just this team that works out of this small office in a basement of four people. You tell anyone that you work in a basement on a team of four people for a news team, that sounds like you're kind of stuck in the mud in your career. Right. It sounds like you uh, still have a long ways to go to get to anywhere relevant in your career. Um, but I would say that it shed light and, and really made the Spotlight team feel like they were important, which they were, and that they were kind of the A-team on that right. newspaper. I mean, there were several times in the movie where someone was like, oh, Spotlight's on this? Yeah. Which is sweet because, like I said, if they're the A-team, they don't have the corner offices, they don't have their own building, they're in the basement. Right. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because there was somebody, when Mark Ruffalo was interviewing the other lawyer who gave him all the information, he was like, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'm a Spotlight. And he's like, oh, Spotlight's doing this? And then he kind of like lets down the wall and like lets them in. But I think they set up like you were talking about in the basement so well because the first scene is that guy's like retirement speech that Michael Keaton's giving. Right. And that's like in the, in the typical like news area that you would expect to see from the newspaper. Like we saw in Zodiac. It's just a bunch of cubicles in a big open space. And then he like goes down the stairs, goes to a basement. And you're like, why the hell is he in the basement? Like that's so <laughs> random, you know? Actually, I think you bring up a very interesting point because it this movie was focused more so on that team and what they accomplished rather than the, the crimes that they were uncovering. 
and I was curious if how you guys felt about that. Do you feel like it's stronger for focusing on the team and their efforts, or would you have liked them to focus a bit more on the crime that they were uncovering and why it had been? I guess I guess they did focus on why it had been hidden for so long, why no one was reporting on it. But like, th there's not enough. At least in my opinion, there's not enough focus on the actual crime being committed. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, oh. we see we see a few victims talk about it, but it's never really, I don't know. I guess it doesn't go further than that. I feel like it's very conservative in dealing with, with the actual crime. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you there, Phoenix. I, okay. think they, I think they do a good job of showing the crime, not necessarily showing the crime, but like, telling you about what happened uncovering the details um it would be a travesty if people walked out of the theater seeing this or closed netflix after seeing this and said wow the actual case of several victims was overshadowed by four people trying to get credit and i don't think they do that because this is what happened this team led the charge and uncovered this and of course they didn't do it all by themselves i'm sure they're there were people that helped that weren't even mentioned inside of this film. I get that. But at the end of the day, this was them that decided to pursue this, that did a majority of the work. And I think there were was plenty of, of things that I know now about the case that I wouldn't have if it weren't for this movie. So um, I disagree. I, I think the case was at the forefront more so than the team. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I sat, surprisingly have to agree with Nathan. Um, <laughs> I think I think they had a good balance though. I think seeing the the case was good. Um, it's obviously like you know a tough subject, but I think seeing the case was really good. I think also you know obviously there was a little bit of um, favoritism towards some characters like Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton um, that we saw, but I think as a character movie it was it was pretty good as well. Ooh, wee. Excuse me. All right. Uh, maybe that was just me. Uh, uh. <laughs> Phoenix, so you've seen all the best picture winners um, of the decade. Nick mm -hmm. and I, except for Shape of Water, correct? Right, yeah. Nick and I, after we did Spotlight, The Artist, and Argo in three straight days, um, have now seen all except 12 Years a Slave. Mm -hmm. So tell me, since we're both, all three of us are all missing one of the ten, or nine, I don't know. Um, where does this where does this rank out of the decade for you? Oh wow! Oh wow! I that know sucks. I know Moonlight's probably number one for you. Uh, whew, Jesus. Uh, hold on. Let me let me think. So there's there's a uh, King Speech, the yeah. artist, yeah. Argo, Argo, Twelve Years a Slave, Twelve Years a Slave, Birdman. Birdman, Birdman, Spotlight, Spotlight, Spot, Moonlight, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Shape of Water, Water Green, Green Book, Book, and Parasite. Parasite. Okay, so you you are correct. Moonlight is number one, uh, followed by Parasite. Um, third on that list would probably be uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Interesting. Okay. Uh, fourth would be Green Book, and then I think fifth would be Spotlight. Okay. So, so right in the middle there. Right in the middle, yeah. All right. Well, Nick, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it up right now as we speak. Okay. Well, off the top so, of my head, I was gonna say yeah, if you, you have you, yours, I do. Um, well, for me, before seeing uh, Twelve Years a Slave, so this is second of the decade for me. Green Book still reigns supreme, which I know a lot of people disagree with, but we, all three of us, are big defenders of that film here on this show. So, um, Green Book is the best pic- best picture winner, I guess. The best, um, best picture winner. The best, best picture winner of the <laughs> decade in Nathan Pig's mind. And Spotlight is a very close second. Wow. Yeah, and, and mine is... After Green a rewatch, Book. that might change. Yeah. Mine's Green Book, Spotlight, Parasite, Shape of Water, King's Speech, Moonlight, The Artist, Argo, Birdman. Without... With, without uh, 12 Years of Slave. <laughs> let's hear all right let's do final ratings and and move if on. it was la la land instead of moonlight it'd be la la oh it'd be easily one yeah not even close easily <laughs> all right let's do final ratings and, and get up on out of here <laughs> all right nick kick us off final rating all right spotlight. this is a four and a half star movie for me i just think when you look at story when you look at scale when you look at um the stakes that were made every little you know breadcrumb that they left along the way this has to be four and a half stars and it's just uh, a great movie all in all i'm gonna have to agree with you there uh shocker shocker um it's four and a half stars for me as well big upgrade from when i previously watched it the first time and was bored out of my mind mm-hmm. but like i said that was immature nathan um i give this four and a half stars it's an a on our scale and this will probably be five stars and will probably crack my, my favorite films um, whenever I get around to rewatching it, which will probably be soon, knowing how much I can't stop thinking about this movie. So, yes, four and a half stars. I second that as well. Probably soon to, to upgrade to The King, five stars. Phoenix, what about you? Uh, so I will say definitely when I first saw this movie, it was unquestionably five stars. Uh. On second rewatch, I just feel like uh, I've seen so many things in between since then. Uh, I still love this movie. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm just not as high on it as I once was. So for me, it's probably somewhere between like a 3.8, I guess, is where I would put it. like anywhere between like a 3.8 and a four. So it's it's great. Definitely has some great performances, strong subject matter. I really like the execution, but overall, eh, it's, it, it's great, but not that great. <laughs> That's where I would put it. We disagree on that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Spotlight. Uh, let's talk about some other good stuff. Uh, Nathan, what's been good for you this week, sir? Yes, so I finally got around to a movie that was high on my watch list, uh, The Florida Project, which... Is a movie that if you are on film Twitter, you're on Letterbox, you know 
a lot about. If you are maybe just a casual film fan listening to this, you may not have heard of the Florida Project. Um, I absolutely loved this. I loved it. Uh, it's going to be on my favorite films. It's five stars. It was incredible. I was blown away by, by what this movie was able to do. And I had high expectations going in because a lot of my friends love this movie and praise the world out of it. So I had high expectations going in, was a little afraid. What if I don't love it as much as other people do? You know, when you set the bar high, <coughs> tenant, um, <laughs> it has more so than uh, more so than not, it, it disappoints. But now with this, I absolutely love the Florida Project. Willem Dafoe was incredible. This is probably the best movie I've seen that features a child actor, best performance from a child actor. Um, absolutely loved it. Phoenix, have you seen it? I have seen the Florida Project. Uh, much like you, film Twitter was very high on this movie. Uh, I checked it out, uh, I think probably over two, three months ago. I loved it um, and hated it at the exact same time. <laughs> it was great. And I just, I was like, oh, like some, I get what it was going for and I appreciate it. Willem Dafoe was amazing. Oh, I just hated so many characters in it, but I did love it. Good. Well, that's that's my what's good. Uh, for me, uh, my what's good this week is a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, but I don't think I've I've actually rated yet, and that is a movie uh, called Kramer versus Kramer. I finally got around to seeing this movie. Um, uh, stars uh, Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep. I believe it's from 1970s, it may, 70s, 80s. I'm not, a, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I loved it. I thought it was a really sweet, emotional story. It gets compared to my favorite story, favorite movie of last year, uh, which was Marriage Story. Um, I actually think Marriage Story is a little bit better than this, but Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep, I mean, you can't go wrong. I think they did a fantastic job in this movie. It's a very emotional story about divorce and, uh, and you know, a father having to step into the place of being both parents and how awkward uh, that transition is. But I think it's just such a, a moving portrait of an American family. So for me, Kramer versus Kramer is my uh, what's good this week. Nick? Yes. Um, pretty much this whole week was taken up by watching Best Picture winners. <laughs> we watched No Country for Old Men. We watched Spotlight. We watched Argo. We watched The Artist. So there's no like really low-key movie that um, I would recommend. But I would say The Artist is probably the lowest of, of those known. Um, I feel like it's the the least known best picture winner of the 2010s. You don't really think of it as a best picture winner. And while I don't really see it as a best picture winner, I still think it's a pretty good film. Um, it is silent, and I didn't know that. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. Um, but I think the music carries the, the film, and the, the acting is is very good in this as well, and the direction. So that is that is my what's good is the artist. I really enjoyed The Artist. I think that's a fantastic movie. I think for a score to carry a movie the entire way is mm -hmm. really impressive. So, yeah. So it's The Artist, The Florida Project, and 
I forgot my own. Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> uh, all three very excellent movies, guys. And I think all three. Oh no, Florida Project was not a Best Picture winner, but uh, should have been. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so all three yeah, fantastic. Over Shape movies. of Water, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even get nominated. Um, it did not. It did, it did not. And okay. Willem Dafoe got nominated for Best Supporting when he's literally like the only actor in the movie. So I don't know how he's the supporting actor when he's. It's- is the some, lead actor. So somehow they is weird. What what they do is weird. Know. He's literally <laughs> the only man in the in the movie. movie I and know he's a supporting <laughs> actor. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so we got to move on, guys, to our discussion. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, uh, we started a discussion a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so now ago on the best casting decisions of the decade. I'm so super excited to bring that discussion back. So we did uh, 2010 to 2012 originally. Now we are doing 2013 to 2015. And I gotta tell you, this one was tough because 2013, I was not expecting as much as I did. And then 2015 was even great, it was crazy. So I'm super excited to see what you guys come up with. Nathan, kick us off. Best casting decisions of 2013. What do you got? Yes, well, I'm so glad you started with me because I'm going to be thrilled to steal Nick's thunder right here. (laughs) Um, You're welcome, Nick. So first what I'm going to go with is Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman in Prisoners. Mm. Um, You know, they were ignored by the Academy, wrongfully so. Absolutely. Uh, This might be my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance Actually, I think it is. This is definitely my favorite Hugh Jackman performance. Just such such a riveting film overall and definitely benefited by the great performances from two outstanding actors. So can't really picture anyone else in this role. They both do an incredible job. 100%. Uh, Nick, was that on your list as well for 2013? It's uh, my favorite 2013 movie, so yes. Yeah. It was also on mine. (laughs) So... Way to knock that off, uh, Nathan. Way to go. Uh, shout out casting directors, Mary Vernew, Carrie Barden, and Paul Schnee. Uh, those names will probably come up more than once <laughs> as we get through this discussion. Nick, what do you have? What's another one you have for 2013? Yes. So while I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie, I still gave it three and a half stars. I would have to say um, Leo as the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belford. Um, I was actually watching a TikTok of Jordan Belford on his podcast talk about um, how similar the, um, like the, what's it called? The scene where he goes and gets all those lemons and goes to the, the country club. He was explaining how that scene is eerily similar to the film and how he was um, working hand in hand with Leo to, to kind of get those um, actions of when you're high because you know Leo has has never done drugs right. um, 
So I think that's a, a perfect casting decision as well. Absolutely. I've yet to see The Wolf of Wall Street, so I will. I can't put it on my list. Well, you have to uh, carve out your whole entire day for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one that I have for 2013, and this one should be no surprise to any of you guys, is her, uh, particularly Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, and Rooney Mara. I adore this movie to pieces. Uh, yeah, no question about it. Uh, one of my favorite films of my entire life. Uh, shout out casting directors Ellen Lewis and Cassandra Kulukindas. Uh Great job. Perfect match. Love this movie. All right. Well, I will take it away next. I'm going to go with two people in the same movie here. Christian Bale and Amy Adams in American Hustle. Mm -hmm. I think both were ignored by the Academy as well. I think both received nominations, but at least one of them should have won. Uh, it's no secret that Nick and I both love American Hustle and yeah. the performances throughout are, are incredible, even from Bradley Cooper and Jeremy Renner, but I don't think those are the best castings. Christian Bale and Amy Adams definitely are. I have not seen American Hustle yet either, so <laughs> wow. can't come it either way. Nick, what about you? I'm going to go with uh, one of Nathan's favorites, uh, Gravity. Oh, no, thank God. Take it. Take it <laughs> no, off. No, I'm just joking. But um, I think Dallas Buyers Club mm. with Matthew McConaughey. Um, I believe he won Best Actor. He did. In his role. He did. Um, Jared Leto he, did too. Yep. Yeah. He, and him and Jared Leto, they, you know, I know for McConaughey, he lost a lot of weight. Um, he looked very scrawny in this. Um, and I think he was just the perfect decision. Him with him and Leto both. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I did not throw Dallas Buyers Club on here, which is actually kind of upsetting for me. Uh, I'm going to throw one that uh, is kind of a crazy wild card, but I of think course. it. I think you 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 got the perfect cast for this, and uh, I can't see anybody else in these roles. And I'm going. I'm talking about the original Frozen. Uh, Kristen Bell, Adina Menzel, Josh Gad, uh, also uh, uh, Jonathan Groff, fantastic cast. This, this is this is it. This is your this is your universe right now. You cannot go wrong with this cast. Uh, shout out to Jamie Sparrow Roberts, who was the casting director on uh, Frozen. You, you you did it. This is the best uh, cast for an animated film. I think we've had in a very long time. So Frozen, I think, has one of the best casting decisions of the decade. Nick, any more for 2013? Uh, I do. I would one. say... Uh, well, while you're looking there, I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan for Fruitvale Station. Yes. That's what I was about to say. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, you know, the, the first team up between Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler. Um, he's just, he's perfect for this, especially because Michael B. Jordan is still very young. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, 2013, he was still finding himself as an actor, knowing what he's good at, knowing what he's not good at, which is very little. <laughs> very heartbreaking film. Um, Michael B. Jordan. Yes, Michael B. Jordan in everything this movie is and everything this movie 
asks for out of the lead actor. Um, he does a great job. Well, I am going to move it to 2014 unless Phoenix has anything else. Uh, and I'm going to... I got the obvious one for 2013, which is the Best Picture winner, 12 Years a Slave. Uh, I think has... Okay, neither of us have seen that. So right. Take I think, it away. Yeah. 12 Years a Slave has an incredible cast. Chewy Tail, Edgy of Four, Lupita Nyong'o, who won Best Supporting Actress for her role. Uh, Sarah Paulson, who I, uh, is a monster, is a monster in this movie. Uh, but she's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, for me, the cast that they put together for that movie is outstanding. Uh, shout out to Francine Maisler, who was the casting director for 12 Years a Slave. Uh, that's it. That's all I got for 2013. So, Nick, kick us into 2014. What do you got? All right. I'm going to steal everybody's. I wanted to, to go first in this. Um, I'm going to give it to Ralph Fiennes. The Grand Budapest Hotel, um, fantastic, fantastic performance from Ralph. Um, he nails this role. I honestly couldn't expect anybody else in this role just because of how great he is. See, when you said you was gonna steal it from everybody else, I thought you were thinking of the one that I'm thinking of, which I, if it's not on your list, I don't understand you. It's Whiplash. Uh, of course, it's Whiplash. The, of course. the the greatest casting decision ever was J.K. Simmons. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe one of the greatest casting decisions ever was putting J.K. Simmons in this role. Uh, shout out to Terry Taylor, the casting director. Fantastic work. Uh, yes, I don't I don't think you get any better than this. J.K. Simmons, Miles Teller, Whiplash should have been the best picture winner. That's all I'm saying. Yes, I completely agree. Should have won Best Picture. J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite performances of all time. Undisputedly one of the best performances of all time. Um, you both took one on my list. Um, I'm going to go the obvious route once again because I feel like 2014 was just a year of obvious ones. Of course, I'm going to go with a movie I love and an actor I love, and that's Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. Yes! <laughs> you know, Matthew McConaughey, undeniably one of the best talents in Hollywood right now and in Interstellar Christopher Nolan one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies one of my favorite movies of all time McConaughey just delivers such an emotional gritty performance and I love it we've mentioned Matthew McConaughey now in back-to-back -back years and you mm -hmm. gotta love to see that uh I also had Interstellar on my list I just it wasn't until I, I was looking it up for this that I realized how deep this cast was for Interstellar. Oh, it's it's oh my god, great! It's you a know, great cast. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Casey Affleck, John Lithgow, Ellen Burstyn, David Oelio, Mackenzie Foy, Timothy Chalamet, Matt Damon. I was like, what? Michael Caine. Right. I'm like, dude, everyone is in this, and uh, I agree. I, personally, it's my favorite Christopher Nolan film out of all of of Nolan's films. Wow. Uh, Something so, you guys agree on. Yeah, no, I know it's crazy. We don't agree. I, I'm sorry. I love Interstellar. I think it's fantastic. We don't agree on that. The Dark Knight <laughs> is still supreme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Any more for 2014? Yes. Um, another Jake Gyllenhaal role, Nightcrawler. Yes. <laughs> He's Nathan and I recently rewatched re this um, filmed TikTok loves this and the mirror scene. Um, where he just yells at himself in the mirror, but um, I think this is this is fantastic. 
role for him. He's just this like creepy, egocentric guy that just won't stop at anything to to find success. So good, good on you, Jake. Shout out to uh, casting director Mindy Marin. Uh, great choice. We all, I also had Nightcrawler. Nathan, did you also have Nightcrawler in yours? Yeah. So back to back years for Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Uh, great performance. Uh, Nathan, any more? I do. I have one more. It is a tad off the beaten path. I don't think this is one that a lot of people would have said, but it's one that I still think is a best casting choice for the year. And when you look at what this character is, and that is going to be Zoe Saldana in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes! I think that, (laughs) you know, when you're asking an actor or an actress to spend hours a day in a chair while they're being painted. That's obviously a giant commitment. And she just does a fantastic job. I don't think this is one of the best casting decisions ever. I don't think she's one of the best casted characters in the MCU or anything like that. But with specifically, that's this is what this whole discussion is about. What the character is asked to do and the actor that portrays them. I think she does a fantastic job. And I think it'd be it would have been a mistake to go with anyone else. So I think this is one of the MCU castings that's under the radar, but nonetheless is one that would have been not nearly as impactful with anyone else. It is crazy that I also had Guardians of the Galaxy on my list as well. I do think like, and you mentioned Zoe Saldana, but I, I surprisingly I'm also gonna throw in Dave Bautista. Like, mm. I, I would not have thought he would have melded into that role as well as he did. And I think he's great. He's great as Drax. And I think he, he's done a fantastic job of kickstarting his acting career from that one role. So for me, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I have, let me see. Yeah, you guys took most of mine. So I have, I have uh, two more for 2014. Uh, and I am going with Gone Girl. Uh Meh. I love that movie. Gone Girl's fantastic. Rosamund Pike, who plays uh, the wife in that movie. Whoo! Wow. She 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 goes the distance in terms of crazy and in terms of passion and pragmatism. She is fantastic. She matches that role with a, a, a keen intensity. Uh, shout out to uh, casting director Lorraine Mayfield. Clearly, she saw the talent in Rosamund Pike and and felt that she was a great fit for this role. So uh, definitely Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl. And I will throw in one that uh, I, I still haven't seen this movie, but the impact that it has had uh, for the past few years, I think, is noticeable. And that's Keanu Reeves in John Wick. I think uh, he's he's just been amazing. I think he got this role at the perfect time because I feel like his his career was sort of on a decline, I guess you could say. And John Wick really just brought it back for him. And they've made what now four movies. I think it works. I, I think this is a is a is a great fit. So shout out to uh, Suzanne Smith and Jessica Kelly, the casting directors on that. Uh, and that's all I got. Anybody else for 2014? Nope. All right, 2015. Nathan, kick us off. I think yeah. I know what's at the top of your list, but go for well, it. Well, I don't 
I don't know. Um, there's a ton here in 2015 that I'd love yeah. to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start off with the movie we spent all episode reviewing, Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo in the Spotlight. Yep. You know, if if you want to know why, hit rewind and listen to us talk about it. <laughs> uh, 100. Like I said, these names will come up again. Shout out to casting directors Carrie Barton and Paul Schnee. Also, John Buchan and Jason Knight on that for uh spotlight nick what about you yeah so i'm gonna throw it back to a movie that we talked about or not that we talked about that uh i did as my code word over the summer and that's beast of no nations um i think this is idris's idris alba's um like under the radar role um i think he does great and even the the little kid in the movie does great as well Absolutely. See, when you said throwback to one of your code words, uh, I was thinking of this one, which I also put on my list, and that is dope. Uh, Shameek Moore, Kersey Clemens, uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz, I think all do fantastic work in this movie. I think you could argue uh, was a starting point for all of them uh, to greatness. Uh, and so uh, shout out casting director Ken Coleman. Uh, fantastic job. Uh, dope, I think, is one of the best movies of 2015. Nathan, any more? Uh, any more? Are you kidding? <laughs> We're going to be here all day is my <laughs> list. Um, I'm going to go with Adam Driver in The Force Awakens. Mm. Um, I know, Phoenix, you have not seen Star Wars in its entirety. I know Nick has a lot of issues with the sequel trilogy, as do I. <laughs> but um, Adam Driver is probably the best thing about the sequel trilogy. Um, this is where he didn't necessarily get his start, but this is what made him the Adam Driver he is today, the A-lister, the marriage story man, um, everything like that. So Adam Driver is just fantastic. When you have a character that's going to secede Darth Vader, you need it to be someone with some some pop and just a knockout guy and Though Adam Driver was not necessarily very known at the time, he, he secedes it pretty well. I definitely agree with that. And I feel like anytime you mention Adam Driver, you know it's a good performance. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, All right, well. Oh, is it, is it oh, you, no, Phoenix? No, no, go for it, Nick. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with another under-the-radar movie, and that is... Um, Denis Villeneuve's Sicario. Mm. Um, I don't know if either of you... I know Nathan hasn't seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, Phoenix. Um, but I feel like everybody nails the role that they were going for. Emily Blunt, uh, Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin. Um, they all kind of fit that role. And when I think about this movie, I couldn't see anybody else in these roles, especially uh, Benicio Del Toro, who is the the best of the bunch of those three i've not seen sicario actually but i do know it's Same. it's you a killer it. client killer cast uh so huh i am shocked truly truly shocked that nathan has not mentioned this yet so i'm gonna take it off of his list and that is of course the hateful eight how is it not being mentioned the hateful eight it's right behind him it's ridiculous this cast Samuel Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Walton Goggins, like, and a ton of other people who I didn't even mention. 
fantastic, fantastic, fantastic movie. Excellent, excellent. I, like, dare I say, I probably would put this second as one of Tarantino's best casted films. Uh, I think I think it's phenomenal. Uh, shout out casting director Victoria Thomas. Great work. I, I think Hateful Eight is fantastic. Just want to clarify, second to Django, right? Oh, I yeah. For, I forgot oh, about Django. On. I forgot about Django. Okay, third. Second <laughs> to what's number one? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, man. No, come on. <laughs> Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood. You can't beat Leo and Brad. Great, great movie. But you look at depth over star power. Hateful Eight's going to uh, take the cake. Depth depth over that. Depth they don't is have, great. But... They don't have anyone in that movie other than their main three. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. That cast is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, that was definitely on my list. You know, I had some other things to get to, though. Right. Um, I'm going to talk about an actor that we have already mentioned. Um, specifically, I've already mentioned Michael B. Jordan in Creed. Creed, yes. Again, you take a an iconic character in Rocky, and you need someone to secede that iconic character, especially the storyline with they go making um, Adonis. Oh, his name is Adonis. But yeah. um, the son of Apollo Creed, Creed. Apollo Creed, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. The son of Apollo Creed, you know, they could have went with some no-name, um, but they needed, again, someone who could carry on the legacy of Sylvester Stallone, and Michael B. Jordan was absolutely the right fit for that. I also have Creed on my list, I think. You're 100% right about that. Michael B. Jordan stepped into the role of, uh, of stepped into the franchise of Rocky, and really breathe new life into it, if we're being Absolutely. honest. Uh, so I, I loved it. Shout out uh, casting directors Francine Maisler again and Kathy Driscoll. Great work. Uh, Nick, what about you? Yeah, so this is a movie that Nathan and I have been talking about for days, <laughs> and that's Trumbo. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Cranston. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I actually haven't seen a lot of the big releases um, this year in 2015. So I'm going to go with another uh, big big release, but I feel like isn't on the top of a lot of people's radar. And that's uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yes. Uh, So it's actually funny. Ice Cube's son Mm -hmm. plays him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the best casting um, decisions. But I think the best one in this movie is Jason Mitchell as Easy e Yes. I think he is fantastic as Easy e um, Best performance in this movie. Uh, 100%. I also had Straight Outta Compton on my list. I think for, yes, for, for one reason, like, I'm looking at the main characters. Uh, you know, you obviously have Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Easy e yeah. And um, even the guy who uh, plays MC Ren, all of these yeah. guys are, they went on to do bigger things since this movie i think that's mm-hmm. one of the the key things that you uh look for when you're looking at casting is you know you gave these guys pretty much some of these guys this is one of their first starts into film and they've been able to blow up since then so i like you know uh shout out once again victoria thomas uh cindy tolan jasmine carroll the uh casting directors on that film great great work uh Absolutely. Yeah, I love I mean, straight just, out of content. Just looking at uh, Corey Hawkins, who is 
who's Dr. Dre. Yeah. He's going to be in, in the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Black Klansman. So, you know. Aldis great, Hodge, great who was in The Invisible Man. Uh, yeah. You know, Brian Banks, which is another fantastic movie. He was in Clemency. Uh, dude's yeah, dude's Jason great. Jason Mitchell was in The Disaster Artist. Wow. Which I... Would the, did that come before or after them? I'm not I sure. came after. It oh, came yeah. Disaster Artist was 2017. Yeah. 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 Like, doing great work. Uh, okay, dope. I have one more. Uh, and I, I think... This is, I would say this is obvious, but you know, some people probably haven't seen it, and that's Room starring uh, Brie Larson, Jacob Tremblay. That was on my list. Yeah. Uh, Fan, fantastic. Like, Brie Larson uh, to me is a fantastic actress. This was the movie that let me know how good of an actress she was. I mean, you just, the, the emotional trauma of this movie. It's heavy. It's very heavy, and I think she carries it extremely, extraordinarily well. Um, Jacob Tremblay, who plays her son, uh, is is both innocent and at the same time super, super annoying. And it's amazing that you know she's she's got so much patience with him, as well as you know the situation. Uh, I, I love this movie to pieces. Uh, casting director, shout out casting director Fiona Rare. Uh, yeah, room. Sweet. Well, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to go with a movie that listeners of this show, certainly um, our host and our guest co-hosts, um, are well aware of a film that I love, and that is The Lobster and Colin Farrell. Um, you know, I mentioned it last week when we talked about actor-director pairings. Yorgos Lanthimos is just such an odd guy, and he asks his actors to be extremely robotic and when you see the lobster it's very evident of that Colin Farrell kills this role especially everything that he's asked to do being extremely robotic no emotion whatsoever he was he was fantastic I I, this made me love Colin Farrell nice what you mean Artemis Fowl didn't that was that was a close second close (laughs) second poor Colin Farrell I, I feel last. bad for everybody involved in that project. <laughs> uh, I lied. I do have one more uh, for 2015. This one, I hope, is not controversial, but I absolutely adore this movie, and that is The Danish Girl, uh, starring Eddie Redmayne and Alicia Vikander, Ben Whishaw. I love this movie. I I, I really do. Um, I know a lot of people were mad at Eddie Redmayne for winning the Oscar over Michael Keaton, uh, I'm not even sure if that was for this movie, but uh, I thought he he's fantastic. The way he stepped into this role, how well he fit this role, incredible. I love the story. Shout out casting directors, Anders Nygaard and Anya Esbach Philip. Fantastic job. Love the love the movie. All right. And well, that's it for everybody. Nope, that that's is it. not. Oh, oh, that is oh, not. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Nathan's got more. What do you got? By the way, Eddie Redmayne won for the theory of everything. The theory not of for everything. The right. Danish girl. Yeah, he yeah sw- he should have swatched that. That's that's ridiculous. He's also, way better than the Danish girl. Isn't the Danish girl 2016? Uh, not according no, to my no. list. Okay. <laughs> um. No, all right. Well, I have a few more. Um, fans of this movie are 
losing their minds that we haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> I know Nick hasn't seen it. I'm sure you have, Phoenix. I don't know. I saw this in theaters. Haven't seen it in a long time. That is Mad Max Fury Road, and it is um, Tom Hardy as Mad Max. Yeah, the biggest, biggest movie that year. Yep, Mad Max Fury Road. I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters since I was 14, um, but... Tom Hardy, why are you sticking your tongue out at me? I hate that movie. Uh, not not <laughs> shocked. It has an yeah. over 4 on Letterboxd, so you hate it. Not shocked. No, I'm sorry. Like, I saw it in Thanks, theaters. And the it... CEO of Hot Takes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, uh, I probably wasn't as familiar with film and, and dissecting film as well as I am now when I saw it. But when I saw it, I was just like, this movie's boring. I just thought it was boring. I thought it was slow. I thought it was pointless. So I need another crack at it, but I was not high on it. You guys are crazy. Um, <laughs> all right, so Tom Hardy and Mad Max Fury Road. I'm going to go with Steve Carell in The Big Short. It's no secret that I'm a fan of The Office, but also, I, like I said earlier, I'm not the biggest fan of The Big Short. I think it's severely overrated, including with some of my favorite actors, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. Um, but Steve Carell's easily the best of those big four. And I think with what this asks its cast to do, he's the best of those four. Um, and finally, I'm going to go with one that Phoenix is definitely going to scratch his head at. Um, Age of Ultron gets shafted quite a bit, but I'm going to go with James Spader as yeah. Ultron. Oh, especially right. for <laughs> an actor that you don't see his face. James Spader has such a menacing voice. And when you hear Ultron, he sound, as many problems as that movie has, you may hate it, you may love it regardless. James Spader is such a talented voice actor, and I think he was the perfect choice for, for what they needed in Ultron. I love that choice, actually. Let's I, go. Because uh, Age of Ultron gets shitted on a lot, but it's actually one of my favorite movies of the MCU. So I, I just dig it a lot. And I love his Ultron. I think he's fantastic. Uh, so is that it? That's it. All right, That's we it. did it, guys. Great, great, great choices. I'm sure there's a movie that we missed, so if you guys uh, know of one, please let us know. Uh, we we love to hear what you guys think of our choices and what you would consider one of the best casting decisions of the decade. We did 2013 and 2015. I'm super excited for us to do 2016 through, I guess we should do 2019. So we'll finish out the decade yeah. uh, and that'll be in a very exciting discussion coming up very soon. Uh, once again, uh, if you guys have any questions you want to ask us or any comments you want to leave, always follow us on Twitter at FilmCodePod. We'd love to hear it. And uh, so now, I guess it's that time. Let's get into film code. Nick, it was your cold word this week. <laughs> we got it late, but we got it. So remind everybody what your clues That's are. Right. Yes. Um, so the clue, the code word was controversial. Mm -hmm. um, it came out in the 2010s or 2000s. Excuse me. Um, it got nominated for best picture and uh had a shoestring budget all right 
and, so, and it and it features a foreign director. I forgot to say that in there. Okay. <laughs> All right. When you said twenty tens, I was like, oh man, he just played us. Like, I'm like. All right. So and the, and the cover of the movie's green. Right. Right. <laughs> So controversial, two thousands nominated for best picture on a and it, shoestring and it has budget. A, two leads and it has yeah, two exactly. leads. Oh, great. Okay. All right. So we, no, I got I, I got know. one question. Shoestring budget. Right. What 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 is defined by a shoestring? Is that less than a hundred million? Less than thirty million? Can, less than fifty million? I concur. We demand it. I mean, just just a very very low budget. Very. What's low your budget. definition of very low? Okay, maybe like under like twenty five. Gotcha. Oh, All right. Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Ooh, that is a shoestring budget. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got it. I know exactly what it is. All right, Nathan, you kick us off, man. What do no, you? No, you're got? gonna steal mine. Yeah, go, go ahead. I'm don't. I, no, I'm not. Go, go for it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't believe you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't believe you. Here, this is what we're gonna do, right? Any, you guys got some writing utensils? Some paper, yeah. anybody? I can write it on my phone. Okay. So both write your answers, flash it, and then we'll see who's right, who's wrong, who's <laughs> wrong again. Like Jeopardy style. I don't want like to give my answer away just yet. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, Phoenix? Go Phoenix, do Nick. you have a written down? I do. I I, I have okay. several. Okay. That's the thing. I got too many answers. No, you can't have pick one. You're doing pick this. one. We <laughs> see. We you're, offered you're gonna pull. You're gonna you pull said a, no. a cheat. <laughs> I'm not we gonna pull a cheat. To, we offered to table this, and you said no. And now you're not ready. <laughs> Go no. You. I'm ready. I'm ready. Go for it. Go okay. For it. Okay. Okay. Ready. I'm gonna say three, two, one. You turn your phones around. You show what what your answer is on on screen. All right. Ready. This is something new for film code. All right, ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. Flip your screens around. Let's see the. Let's see your answer. Oh, Phoenix was wrong. Oh. <laughs> and Nathan was correct. Let's really? Go! Really? Oh. One of the most controversial Best Picture winners of all time, and it doesn't wow. count because. It doesn't count because Nathan said it wouldn't count nope, earlier. Nope. You nope. two recorded that. Uh-uh. I am in the lead, baby. Let's go. Let's so just go. for our audio listeners, uh, what are what were our picks? Uh, I picked Aaron Brockovich. Uh, Nathan chose Crash. Crash was the winner. Boo. <laughs> I am in the lead, baby. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't believe I cannot believe this. How is Nathan leading this? This is upsetting. So <laughs> don't worry, Phoenix. I'll catch him next week. You just got to give me something easy. Lob right. it to me. Lob it to. My, <laughs> I thought it was my turn. Is it? No, yeah, yeah, no, no. It is. It is. Oh, it okay. is Nathan's turn. So, all right. So then, yeah, there's an opportunity to catch up without yep. Nathan. <laughs> Nathan being in the running. So Nathan has five. Nick has four. I'm still sitting here at three. This is awful. All right. Nathan, do you have a code word for us? <laughs> it will be shared today. That is a promise I will make. It will be yeah, shared today. Yeah, I love Nathan and I talked about this a little bit ago, maybe like a couple weeks ago, but I love how in the beginning code word was this thing to like make us watch different movies <laughs> and like, you know, experience the, you know, a movie that we probably would never watch. When was the last time anybody watched their pick for, for the code word? 
for me, it was Beast of No Nations. That was the last code word that I ever watched. Oh, Jesus. Generally, <laughs> m- most of the time, right? Not every time. But most of the time, my code word picks have been movies that I have seen, seen but on- have not logged on Letterboxd. Like, seen in my childhood or seen, like, five mm-hmm. years ago or something. But the- I've done a couple, definitely, that I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, the last one where I actually watched a movie for was... <laughs> yeah frozen so nathan's nathan's code word frozen when i watched uh, the martian and in the heart of the sea that was the last time i did one i i guessed uh jeremy's baseball right out i guessed nick's crime right out king was mine goals i missed which i'm upset about still because i own that movie <laughs> pink i missed which i'm also upset about because i literally had just watched it uh, ball I didn't even try to watch foreign was mine New York I missed that by a mile blue I missed that one by a mile as well I didn't even try to watch that green I guessed wonder yeah <laughs> so we will, I will have it today that is a uh, promise I'm willing to make that's what I said to myself last week but it never panned out well but, I will actually do it but to Nick's point I do think from now on uh we should watch the movie if, if we get it wrong like we don't have to watch it we don't have to watch it for the show but if we get it wrong we should watch the movie come back and and, and tell us next exactly week what you think about exactly it. i so, think that's a good idea phoenix yeah. i think that's a good idea because we used to be like oh you know baseball card and we'd be like <laughs> oh it's because the dude collects a baseball card and it's like a 10 minute subplot in the movie. Right. Not like, Oh, there's and a baseball like, card. Well, there's in two the... directors. And yeah. The, the color of the poster is blue. Right. right. Like I'm, I'm about to whip and there's one out. Two Wes Anderson actors. I'm about to whip one out that if you don't watch it, you're not going to. All right. That's what I like. All right, guys. So we no, the po- get... no, the point <laughs> is to, if we get it wrong, we then have to watch the correct movie. We're not going to fucking just watch movies. <laughs> Willy nilly, <laughs> or whatever. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure if, it out. If guys. you if you throw in some some silly shit that that <laughs> you have to watch the movie for, and then it's like uh, a movie, I'm coming back and and I'm gonna make everybody watch Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> that sounds which exciting. I, which I don't know if you know this, Phoenix, but it's a three-hour G-rated movie on Netflix. Are you it's G-rated? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, doke. Well, we got to get up out of here. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do, especially me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Nick, Nick, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. Um, like I mentioned earlier on in the show, I totally restructured my best picture nominees lists it was all just one big list and then i did it by decade and a winner's list so you're on my letterbox make sure you go check that out make sure you go give me hate about how many movies i haven't seen that have gotten nominated for best picture after the 90s um and you know christmas season i gotta gotta plug ceo hallmark christmas movies my goal is to watch all 40 last year i think i got 20 or 23 um so hold me accountable for for watching all 40 wow are there 40 every year 40 every year 
That is insane. That's crazy. <laughs> and unless it's nostalgic Christmas, they're all pretty good. Wow. All I right. Can, I can I can vouch for that. Um, <laughs> my name's Nathan Pig. You can follow me on Letterbox at Nathan Pig. Make sure you tell me you're a listener of the show. Would love to talk with you and chat with you a, a little more uh, one-on-one. Get to know you as well. So head over to my Letterbox at Nathan Pig. Follow Phoenix. Follow myself. Follow Nick. Make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. Phoenix already mentioned it. We do a ton of stuff to interact with you guys as fans. You can get shouted out on the show. You can get exclusives with us and things like that. It's, it's really a great time. We have been pumping out a ton of new content. Um, I've been involved with a lot of new content going on here over at Film Code. We've done a series Gotham episode, a series of Mandalorian so far. Nick and I did an exclusive interview. I did best Netflix originals. Phoenix did some 2020s we haven't hit. Outside of these giant collaborative episodes, we have some special content for you guys. So please make sure you check that out. However you're listening to this right now is how you can find it. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on YouTube. So please make sure you go and you find us. One last thing, however you're listening to this, please go ahead and give us a five-star thumbs up, however the rating system works. It really helps us reach new audiences. If you listen this far in the podcast, chances are you've enjoyed it somewhat. It would mean the world to us to give you give us that good of ratings. And just want to thank you guys so much for listening and, and keeping up with the show. Absolutely. And my name is Phoenix Clouden. You guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under PA Clouden. I also got a couple of new lists up there. I got the Race for the Best Picture winner for this year, which I'll be adding two new movies to today. So very exciting. What, uh, cuties? What's that? Cuties? Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, thanks guys so much for listening we will see you guys next week and uh we're out of here peace